0: Chapter 64 of Kit and Kitty by Richard Dowdridge Blackmore This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 64 A Mensa et Toro It is out of my power to say, because I have never studied human nature, having more than I can properly get through with trees and animals, but according to the little I have seen, the spirit of revenge is stronger in women than it usually is in us. Whatever wrong a man may have done me, if he only says that he is sorry for it, or without that I have got the better of him, I am quite content that he should go and settle the question as between him and the Lord. I wish him no ill but what he may do himself, and even if I hear of his getting his deserts, I feel no elation, but endeavor to be sorry. But my Uncle Corny, who understands the fair sex, at least according to his own account, declares that they not only cannot forgive a deadly wrong done to them, but continue to think that the world is a bad place and sadly neglected by providence, until they see the people who have made them unhappy paying out for it, as they ought to do. My kitty was the very best of all her sex, which is saying a great deal more than some men may imagine, and means much more than if it were said of them, but still I could see that she was not contented, even with our new honeymoon, which was ten times sweeter than the first one, though that had been most delicious, from a lofty desire or perfect justice, which a man is quite satisfied to do without, knowing, as he does, that otherwise he never could have satisfaction at all. And yet I could see that she trembled, whenever she had hinted at the little drawback, for fear of the danger that it might invoke to me, for she never seemed to think that I could take care of myself as well as she took care of me. It is not for me to say how things are, or rather how they ought to be, and I am free to acknowledge that if Downy Bullrag had come down meddling with my wife again, I should have killed him, and risked the chance of being hanged for a fellow unworthy of it, and when I had read aloud that wicked letter in the presence of Kitty and my uncle the next day, there were times when I longed to have him by the throat, and prevent more lies coming out of it, for the devil himself must have stood at his elbow, and gone into his brain as well, while he was about it, and he had made the ground ready for his lies to grow by a black mysterious note beforehand signed, A Well-Wisher in Sunbury. This we had not in our possession yet, but Kitty knew the effect of it upon her father's mind. As I read the vile forgery bearing my name, Uncle Corny fell back in his chair and shut his lips. Then he closed his fist also, and from time to time he kept stamping with his boots as if his feet were tingling but Kitty put her tender hand into mine, and her breath was short, and her bosom heaved, and her eyes flashed like the summer lightning, or sometimes filled with heavy drops. My dear and respected father-in-law, I have a sad confession to make to you, which I ought to have made long ago, but I knew that I must have lost your daughter by it. I will not pretend to excuse my conduct, for I know that I have behaved shamefully but I could not foresee the frightful danger to which she is now exposed daily. My heart is almost broken, for I love her wildly, savagely, and in plain truth madly. Last autumn I committed a very base act, and I am justly punished for it. To keep your sweet kitty here a little longer, and give me more chances of seeing her, I was mean enough to steal Miss Coldpepper's favorite dog, a mongrel called Regulus, I hid him in my uncle's garden while the country was being searched for him, and thus, as perhaps you remember, I obtained the honor of your acquaintance. But I was punished for that sneakish trick. The cur bit me thrice in the legs and thigh, and I am doomed to a horrible death, I fear, for the dog has gone mad, and the disease was in him then. I have been without anyone's knowledge to the first authority in London on such matters, and he says that I ought to be watched and must hold aloof from all family ties for a while. He asked if I was married, and then he told me the most horrible story I ever heard, and he conjured me, unless I wished to kill my wife, to separate from her for at least two years, when I would not promise that he was anxious to write to her relatives himself, but I gave him a false address, and nothing came of that. I hoped that he might be mistaken, but now I feel that he was only too correct. Your kitty is not safe with me another day, I have the most awful sensation sometimes. The malady has got hold of me too surely, though nobody yet suspects it. I have felt a wild desire to tear her to pieces, and the only atonement I can make for my offense is to beg to you to take her immediately. You are likely to be away for about two years, and when you return, if I am still alive, which is most unlikely, I may safely reclaim her. I implore you not to let her know the cause of this sad parting. It would keep her in awful suspense and misery and perhaps be as fatal to her as I myself should be. She is so good and dutiful and trusts me so entirely that if you say it is my wish for reasons you approve of, however she may grieve about it, she will not rebel. Come for her or send for her without my knowledge, without the knowledge of anyone near our place, for if the story got abroad I should go mad at once. My only hope lies in perfect quiet, therefore she must not write to me, and I must not hear a word even from yourself about her. She must not stop to pack up clothes or anything whatever, for if I came in I should destroy her if I saw it, but order particularly that she shall take every farthing in the house she knows of to equip her for her long voyage in a seaport town. The money is her own and she must take it. I send this by hand as I know not where you are, but the bearer knows how to find you. There is no answer except to do what I implore most pitifully if you wish to save your only child from a fearful death at the hands of one who loves her so madly. I pray, God, that you may be yet in time. I feel a little calmer after writing this. This morning I was in agony at the sight of water. May the Lord have you and my darling in his keeping. Oh, how base I have been, but I have done no murder yet. Your heartbroken son-in-law, C. Orchardson. When I had finished, my uncle spoke, for Kitty could only press my hand and sometimes look at me and sometimes turn her eyes away and blush. These are the things, my uncle said, that make one ashamed of being called a man. No snake could do such a thing and no dog would, however mankind might train him and the bit of piety towards the end. The father was a blackguard, the mother a fury, the son is the devil with all his angels. Oh, Kit, Kit, I am old and have met with a great deal of wickedness, but none like this. But you know, Uncle Corny, you must not be disturbed, said Kitty going up to him and kissing his forehead in her sweet and graceful way, just because there happen to be bad people in the world. It has always been so and I fear it always must and you must not imagine that Kit meant any harm by by just borrowing Auntie Coldpepper's dog. He did it, oh so cleverly, just for the sake of seeing me and he quite changed the character of that dog but how can that bad man have found it out? Through Harker, I exclaimed. Through that wretch of a Harker who was always spying on these premises. Sam Henderson knew it. "'most likely through him, "'but Sam would never have spoken of it. "'It is true, then,' said my uncle. "'Well, I thought it was a lie. "'I am surprised to find "'that I have a dog-stealer for my nephew. "'It was Tabby made him do it, "'and I am very glad she did, "'but the first thing Dr. Cutler said to me "'when my heart was nearly broken with his message was, "'Did your husband steal that dog?' "'And of course I said yes, "'for Kit told me all about it "'when we were at Baycliffe.' and no doubt that convinced the good doctor that all the rest of that sad, wicked letter was true. You know, Uncle Corny, that it was impossible for my father to leave the ship, and he sent his old friend, Dr. Cutler, to fetch me. Oh, I did cry all the way. I thought there never would be any more happiness for me. And, of course, they never told me why I was to go. I thought that Kit must be tired of me, and yet I could not quite believe that, you know? Oh, kid, I shall never be tired of you. Don't cry, my darling, said my uncle kindly. We have had enough tears to drown that devilish letter. Now sit on Kit's lap and make sure of him and tell me your own adventures, for I have only guessed them yet. Oh, I had no adventures and I never noticed anything, only to ask how far we were from England and to count the days till we should have finished all the work. I made a little calendar, as the girls do at school, the girls, I mean, who have real mothers, and I blotted out every day when it was over, and thought, one less now before I see Kit again. Of course, I asked my father what had made him send for me, and he said it was my husband's most earnest entreaty, and if I loved him I must ask no more, but keep up my spirits and obey his orders. Father never showed me this letter, or I think though I can't quite be sure, that I should have doubted about it. The writing is exactly like Kits in some places, but in others it is different, and the style is not like Kits. That wicked man stole several letters of Kits, I suspected it then, and now I know it. My father had not the smallest doubt, of course, but he was puzzled when I spoke about that telegram. You know what I mean, the one from Captain Jenkins at Falmouth, to say the ship was on her voyage and to send good-bye to us. He had sent no such message and had spoken no such ship and said that it must be some extraordinary mistake. But you see, now it was another piece of falsehood to make it look impossible that I could be with my father. It was father himself who went to Baycliff to inquire, knowing that we had been there and being near it, But he could not come here, and so he sent Dr. Cutler, who knows all this neighborhood well, and managed it all to perfection with the help of someone who was sent by agreement to meet him. Oh, dear, when I think of that dreadful time, and I was not allowed to leave a line for my husband except what I wrote on the sly in the prayer book. Well, that did him some good at any rate, didn't it, my own darling?' I am quite ashamed to talk of my own sorrow when I think of what Kit has been through for me. But I am sure I ate nothing for at least a month and Dr. Cutler, who was in charge of the health of the ship's company, became quite uneasy about me. As for their experiments, deep-sea dredging and soundings and temperatures and all that, I did not even care to look at them, and I am not a bit more scientific than when we went out though perhaps I shall talk as if I was by and by. The only thing I felt any interest in was the rescue of a poor, afflicted man. I think they called him a Spaniard, though he seemed to be more like an Englishman, who was kept as prisoner among some savages in a desert place in South America. He was terribly afflicted with some horrible disease and the sailors would not go near him until they were ashamed when they saw me do it. We were all very kind to him, but he left us and got on board another ship bound for home. Oh, how I used to tremble, Kit, whenever we saw a ship in the distance, hoping for news of you, my dear, and of Uncle Corny and everybody. But we met very few ships being generally employed in out-of-the-way places, and only landing anywhere two or three times for water or fruit or vegetables. But when we got to Ascension Island, which is an English place, you know, WHAT A JOYFUL SURPRISE THERE WAS FOR ME! I SHALL ALWAYS BLESS THAT LITTLE ROCKY SPOT FOR IT GAVE ME BACK MY LIFE AGAIN. WHEN FATHER RECEIVED MY HUSBAND'S LETTER FOR THE FIRST TIME IN HIS LIFE HE WAS IN A REAL FURY. SOMETHING OR OTHER HAD OCCURRED BEFORE BESIDES THAT AFFAIR OF THE TELEGRAM WHICH MADE HIM A LITTLE DOUBTFUL ABOUT THIS WICKED, WICKED LETTER. AND NOW HE SAW AT ONCE THAT HE HAD BEEN IMPOSED UPON MOST HORRIBLY. "'We were all afraid that he would have had a fit, "'but Dr. Cutler saved him. "'My poor injured child!' he kept on exclaiming. "'Wretched for the last year and injured for life "'by this monstrous villainy! "'He would have thrown up his command at once "'if he could have done it honorably, "'and brought me home by the very next ship. "'But if he had done so the cruise must have ended, "'for Lieutenant Morris, who was next to him, "'was invalided at Fort George.' I was quite ready to come home alone by any ship, English or foreign, but as it happened, Dr. Cutler received by the same mail an urgent request from his wife for his return, and so the very gentleman I ran away with brought me back to my husband. It was a long time before we could get a ship, and then it was only a sailing vessel, and oh how slowly she seemed to go. Then, about a month ago, we had a very heavy storm which drove us, I don't know how far, out of our course, and I thought that I never should see Kit again. But now it seems all like a horrible dream. Father will be home in November, I hope. I intend to work hard to help Uncle Corny, and Kit will soon be well again with me to mind him. End of Chapter 64